All right, good morning, Harlan. Morning to those of you watching online, those of you in the room. I'm not sure how to follow Steve's joke, but I'm going to try. I'm going to really try to see if I can follow that. I'm also not sure how I'm going to follow uh, Brent teaching us last weekend, which was so fantastic. Uh, yeah, if you didn't get a chance to hear it. I kind of thought we were going to start a pattern, so I'm like, dude, I went to him. I was like, great job, man. You just killed it. Also, I've been really feeling called to, for me to lead worship one of these weekends, and he said no. He was like immediately no. Said no to that. But anyway, welcome to Summer at Heartland. Uh, so excited for the summer and the number of teachers and teachings that you're going to hear over the course of the summer. One day a man found himself standing before God and he asked, Lord, is it true that one penny to you is like a million dollars and one second to you is like a million years? Yes, replied the Lord. The man thought for a moment and then said, Lord, would you be so kind as to bless me with just one penny? The Lord looked upon the man, smiled, and said, Of course, one second. <laughs> Whose joke is better? Steve's, mine? What the wolf? This joke perfectly illustrates something that the prophet Isaiah wrote, God's quoting, when he said in Isaiah 55, the Lord saying, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, this is not a shocking concept, the idea that God is bigger than us, that his ways are far beyond our thoughts, that his plans are far beyond our plans, that his ways are far above our ways. This is not a new concept. In fact, I would argue that if God was a being who we could fully understand and comprehend all of why he did what he did, he would not be a God worth surrendering our entire lives to because his ways are bigger and higher and far beyond ours. And today I want to talk about something that I believe for many of us is one of our key sources of anxiety and fear and anger, oftentimes maybe towards God because of the gap between his ways and our ways, and it all revolves around our expectations. Today, we are going to talk about expectations. And in talking about expectations, the first thing we have to do is kind of define it based on how we most often experience expectations in our daily lives. Many things can be defined very differently based on each individual person, based on background, based on experience, based on culture. And so I want to look at expectations and how God might define expectations, especially in the way that it relates to our faith. And this is a concept that's been like pinging around my spirit, my brain for months and months and months. There was nothing really specific that started it. I can't put my finger on it, but for some reason, God's just been like bringing thoughts and I've had conversations and, and in scripture I've been studying just this concept of my own expectations, things that I expect whether I'm aware of them or not, and how that influences how I relate to God, how I relate to the people in my life, how I walk through every moment of every day. The first thing I realized about expectations is how often I would experience stress, frustration, anxiety, anger because of an unmet expectation that I had. Sometimes I was aware 
I had this expectation, and then when it wasn't met, I was like, I'm frustrated because this didn't happen. But many times, there was an expectation I didn't even know I had, and suddenly I found myself in a place of anxiousness, frustration, anger, not sure why, until I took the time to trace it back all the way to the root and realized I had an unspoken subconscious expectation that was not being met, and because it wasn't being met, I found myself in this place of anxiety or anger or frustration, oftentimes towards God. My wife Lindsay and I experienced this uh, in marriage. Our first year of marriage was real rough. So I don't know, this honeymoon phase, those of you who have it, really good for you. We did not have that our first year of marriage, which was weird because we did all the premarital stuff laid out by everyone. We, we did premarital counseling. We read a book. We walked, like, met with a couple who had been married. So we're like, man, we are going to just crush it in marriage. We're just going to kill it. And our first year, all, we kept finding ourselves like frustrated and annoyed and what, all this kind of thing. And we uh, suddenly, we, going back to counseling, yeah, that was a good time, going back to counseling, processing through this like wait a minute we read this thing and talked this thing and like we talked about all the expectations we had and realized through counseling we were like oh we had a lot of expectations we didn't know we had until we got married and suddenly subconsciously we're like well why isn't they doing this why aren't they doing this why aren't they doing this because we had these unspoken expectations so my recommendation to all couples is like do all the premarital stuff but before you get married book a counseling appointment at your six month mark because you're going to need it. You're like, ah, we're going to be fine. We're going to be honeymooning in you know, Cabo. Like, still, just m- m- make that appointment. And as I kept processing this, I realized for me, it's because we live in a world that teaches me, that teaches us that every one of our expectations can and should be met instantly through any means possible. There is a price to pay to meet every single one of our expectations instantly that will gratify us in that moment. I remember a comedian a long time ago uh, told this story and he titled the story, Everything's Amazing and Nobody's Happy. He talked about this moment where he was on an airplane. This was years and years ago uh, when they first started introducing uh, Wi-Fi on airplanes. Now, you know, if you're under the age of 20, you're like, they didn't have Wi-Fi on planes? Yeah, I remember that. So it was the first time they were introducing it. They were kind of beta testing it on this airplane. So before the flight, they came on the loudspeaker and said, ladies and gentlemen, we're very proud to announce that we're going to be testing out uh, Wi-Fi available on this flight today. If you'd like to access, you can go here and click this and do this and do this. Uh, he said they got up in the air, and about 40 minutes into the flight, the Wi-Fi stopped working. It was a beta test. He said the guy next to him on the plane got so unbelievably mad. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm trying to get work done. Kind of, and he's sitting there going, you just learned about this technology one hour ago, and now he's so mad that it's not working. And he's like, I realize everything's amazing, and nobody's happy. Because we have this, these expectations that everything should be met instantly. Specifically, I believe today's world teaches us that we can have expectations for everything to be both instant and selfish. If you have an expectation, which is great, have an expectation, but it should, be, it should happen instantly, and it should be for your direct benefit right then. And if either of those two things don't happen, you should be frustrated and talk to the manager. This is something that's enforced hundreds, maybe thousands of times every single day. We expect lightning-fast cell service. You ever get in 3G? You're like, what is this? i got to wait 10 seconds for a text to send? I don't have time for that. We expect food right away has to be healthy, has to be delicious, okay? We expect the ability to contact anyone at any given moment. Do you all remember the days before text, before email? Remember before email? Me neither. I don't remember that either. It was a dark time. I blocked it out. 
We expect the exact time of arrival based on our GPS. We expect zero traffic. That's a lie from the enemy. I don't know why we keep expecting zero traffic anywhere. We expect two-day shipping at the most, Amazon. We expect being able to tap a plastic card, to just tap it to pay for stuff. We ain't nobody got time to swipe anymore. We just want to tap, move on with our day. And there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with technology, fast service, efficiency. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. My point is simply that we live in a world that's training us to expect instant selfish gratification at all times in any situation. How, so that means, translate that to mean, it would only make sense then that when God doesn't meet our instant selfish expectations, we would become frustrated and maybe not even know why. Even in reading the accounts of Scripture, We might read a prayer somebody has, turn a page and see God coming through, not realizing between those two pages that we just turned, there was years and decades between when God did what he did based on someone's expectation. In fact, speaking of scripture, sometimes I think we misinterpret scripture oftentimes to try to justify our frustration that God isn't meeting my expectation. God, whose ways, whose thoughts, whose plans are higher than mine, isn't meeting my expectations. One such passage, passage that I've seen is in Romans 8. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Beautiful scripture. We read that and we walk away think, do you see what this is saying? God's going to meet my every need no matter what I want. False. This passage, so brilliantly written by Paul, is making it so clear that God is saying, hey, listen, when you are called according to whose purpose? Not, not my purpose, his purpose. When we are called according to his purpose, God has the ability to take not only things that did not go as planned, but things even meant for evil, according to Joseph, and turn them into good somehow. But not instant selfish gratification for the kingdom of God. As I mentioned before, I believe there's so much stress, anxiousness, frustration, anxiety, fear when it comes to our relationship with God that can be linked to our unmet expectations. In fact, there are millions and millions of people around the world, maybe some of you in this room, who when you experience a crisis of faith, a crisis of your expectations of God not meeting what you expected him to do or doing something you would never have expected him to do, suddenly... People turn from God. People renounce their faith entirely. People become atheists or agnostics saying, well, listen, if this God isn't going to meet these expectations, I thought he would be this or do this or do this or not allow this or not allow that, then I'm going to walk away. I'm going to step away from them. They expected that God would heal someone, but didn't. That God wouldn't let anything bad happen to them, but something did. That God would not allow suffering of any kind, but there is. That God would intervene, but he didn't. That God would speak or move or change something or give something or protect or any number of things, and he didn't. And then when that thing happens or doesn't happen, the pain we feel from our unmet expectations can cause massive anger, massive pain, massive anxiety, massive frustration. Because I think we spend too much time living within our own expectations. I know I do. Especially when they're focused mostly on my benefit, when they're focused mostly on instant selfish gratification, when they, come, when they become unmet 
whether in a moment or over a long period of time, I suddenly find myself living in a daily moment of anxiety or stress or anger or frustration. A big reason for this, I believe, is that in the aftermath of unmet expectations, most often we will jump to trying to then control our lives to meet those expectations. In fact, this is kind of taught in our culture, that if you, know, you work hard at something, you try your best. If it doesn't happen, just keep trying, just keep working, just keep going. If the thing that you want doesn't happen, you got to do everything in po- you possibly can to try to make that happen. And yet what that often leads to is more stress, more anxiety, because now we're trying to control something that is outside of our control, which is life, which is the world around us. In psychology today, in talking about stress and anxiety, I published an article and at one point said, anxiety can be considered the price we humans pay for having the ability to imagine the future. Author Elizabeth George said it this way, expectations destroy our peace of mind. They are future disappointments planned out in advance. And then Carl Sagan, astronomer, astrophysicist, author, professor, said the price we pay for the anticipation of our future is anxiety about it. Because expectations carry an element of when they should happen, that it should happen for me, and that it should be within my control. This is why we say the phrase, meeting my expectations. We want everything to meet Our expectations, the people, things, world, God, everything around us must match up to the thing that I'm expecting, that I think is best, that I want, and if it doesn't, at best, I'm annoyed, at worst, I experience deep levels of anxiety, of anger, of pain. Now, at this point, you might be wondering, uh, what in the world expectations have to do with our faith, have to do with God? After all, how do you have faith? without having expectations. As I mentioned, some of this has to do with semantics, like how we define it, which is why I think it's really, really important to like scale back all the blanks we might fill in when it comes to faith, when it comes to expectations, and redefine it with a healthy understanding of how I believe God wants us to understand them. So, in light of that, uh, I want to look at faith and how it relates to expectations. I think a lot of times we might define faith as not giving up on the thing I'm expecting until it happens, no matter how long it takes. That'd be a fair definition of faith, right? We're like, okay, I just got to grit my teeth. I got to stick with it. Got to keep believing. Got to keep having faith. Gosh, I'm angry. Gosh, I'm frustrated. I'm just going to keep pushing through. I've got this resentment towards God, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to keep having faith. Hey, just keep believing. Just keep pushing through because I have this thing I'm expecting. It's not happening. I'm just going to keep believing. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to kind of grow my resentment, grow my anxiousness, but I'm going to keep pushing through and keep believing. Too often, though, when that doesn't happen, we tend to think the problem is our faith. I didn't believe enough. I didn't try hard enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't give enough. I didn't do this enough. We think the problem is our faith instead of maybe questioning what my expectation. Instead of digging down and seeking God for clarity on whether my expectations line up with his expectations, we just might be tempted to think, well, I just, you didn't have enough faith. I didn't have enough faith. 
And sure, there might be elements of that that are true. Yes, there are elements of faith that require intense perseverance and uh, steadfastness. However, I want to look at the most famous passage in all of Scripture that talks about faith. It's quoted a lot. It's talked about a lot. But what I want to do is take this passage and look at uh, five individual words from the passage and redefine them based on their original meaning to get a more, uh, what I would argue is more holistic perspective of what faith looks like. Hebrews 11.1, 1, many of you have heard this before, uh, great like most famous passage on faith says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen you all heard this before sometimes it's said in different ways based on the translation best definition of faith that we have from scripture faith is the assurance of things hoped for the convictions of things not seen now it'd be easy to read this and think oh yeah that uh, that means i should have these expectations i should expect this and then just believe it until it happens in fact, some translations actually translate the term hoped for as expectation. And I'm not arguing against that. But again, I want to have a, comprehens- a comprehensive understanding of this verse as a whole to understand what God's saying. So we're going to look at five of the Greek words and redefine them as what like their like bigger meaning means, not just 2023 Western American culture, what that means, but redefine them. And then I'm going to rewrite Hebrews 11.1. 1. I've submitted it to the Bible people. They're reviewing it. No, they're not going to really put it in there, but this is just my re- redefinition. Okay. So first, the Greek word for faith is the word pistis, which is always related to our faith, our belief in God. Not just like what God will do, not just the result of knowing God, but in God himself. The the existence, the relationship that we have with him, faith always relates to that. And it comes from the root word, meaning to obey, to yield to, to trust, to have confidence in. So the root word for the Greek word for faith is having confidence in someone whose ways are higher, whose thoughts are higher, whose plans are bigger. Okay, next word. The word assurance, the assurance for something. Uh, is the the Greek word hupastis, which is also translated as confidence. Again, we have confidence doubled up there. And it comes, I love this, comes from the root word for stand or stand still. Wouldn't it be great if your life, you could just stand and stand still. Not running, not dodging, not reacting, but standing still. A Greek word for hoped for is elpizo which is also translated as trust, and this comes from the root word for expectation. So when it comes to our faith, there is a relationship between what we expect and what we hope for, but again, keeping our expectations in line with God's expectations, not something that's instant and selfish. Okay, keep going. Greek word for things. Yeah, we're going to redefine things here, okay? uh, Greek word for things is pragma, which is something that has been done or accomplished, past tense, and it comes from the root word for to exercise, to practice, or to be busy with. So it's a very active word. And the final word is Greek word to, uh, for seen, things not seen, is the Greek word blepo, which is defined as to discern with the bodily eye and or to understand beyond just the physical. So with all that redefinition, here's my like expanded version. Uh, I didn't write the message, uh, but you know this, this is what I would put it. Here's the expanded version of Hebrews 11.1 1, uh, is how I would write it based on those five definitions. Faith is having total confidence by choosing to fully trust God. We know we can trust him in everything he's doing right now because of all he has done, not only for us, but every one of his children throughout history. Even when we can't see it, even when we can't understand it, we can live a life standing firm with confidence, knowing our hope is put into a God whose love for us knows no bounds. 
This, I believe, is what faith is. Not simply grabbing on to an expectation and refusing to let it go until God makes it come true. And if he doesn't, and when he doesn't, we get frustrated. Because faith isn't meant to be this really, really painful, difficult thing. Faith is not meant to be just gritting our teeth and getting through life somehow. Faith isn't saying everything will be fine, all while internally living with this resentment towards God. Faith isn't just waiting until God fulfills our expectations. Faith isn't a punishment. Faith is meant to be peace. Faith is confidence. Faith is security. Faith is freedom. Faith is surrender. Faith is making a conscious choice to trust that there is a God and it is not me. That he loves me, that he knows more than me, and that he wants what's best for me even when I can't see it. Faith is knowing that the God of the universe sees the entirety of time all laid out before him, whereas I can only see this moment. And those truths, not bringing us to a place of overwhelming anxiety of, oh my goodness, look at all the things that I have to try to control to make sure my expectations are met. Instead, this should bring us to a place of complete surrender to the one whose ways are higher whose thoughts are higher. In 1 Peter, he writes, So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Give all your expectations to God, for he cares for you. The next verse says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, the middle sentence is what I want to focus on. I'd love for you to take a moment and absorb that, that we give all our cares, all our worries, all our expectations to God. But notice how it's bookended. It begins with humble yourself before your mighty God. And at the right time, he will lift you up. And then it's followed with a warning, saying here's what happens if we don't surrender our cares if we don't surrender our expectations if we don't give all our worries to god what happens is then the enemy of god the enemy enemy of us can now use that to pull us away from god because we have two responses when our expectations go unmet we can try to control or we can surrender if we try to control That's when the enemy comes like a roaring lion looking to add to our anxiety, to our fear, to our trepidation. In fact, in Proverbs 10, 28, Solomon wrote, the hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. And I love this quote from Brandon Sanderson. He's an author in one of his books. He said, expectations were like fine pottery. The harder you held them, the more likely they were to crack. That's <laughs> so good. One of the most powerful things about uh, this Proverbs verse that I quoted is the Hebrew word. We're going big into language. I know school's out for the summer, but we're, we're doing language this morning. Uh, the Hebrew word for the word hope uh, is derived from the root word for wait, which kind of goes against the whole instant selfish gratification thing. 
Paul echoes this in Romans 8, 25. He says, if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So I'm not saying expectations are bad. Please don't hear me say that. I'm not saying it's unwise to have a five-year plan, to have goals, to set things out that you look forward to. I think all of that's great. In fact, I think sometimes it's very wise. It's very biblical in, in a particular context when we're surrendering to the Lord. In fact, if defined accurately, as we just saw, expectations play a pretty important role in our faith, that we understand who God is, that we believe he is capable of things. We can expect him to do things that nobody else would believe anybody can do except our God, that like expectations and faith are married without a doubt. However, when we start to own our expectations as being the only way that they can happen, when we start demanding that God meet our expectations, when we start refusing to let go of what we want to happen because we need it to be instant, we need it for our benefit, and if it's not going to happen this way, Lord, well, I'm, I'm going to turn away from you. I'm going to make it happen myself. I'm going to experience anxiety. I'm going to experience frustration. That's when expectations can get us into trouble. The only way that we can live with our expectations in total freedom is when we hold them like this. So again, I'm not saying don't have expectations. I'm not saying don't believe the impossible, don't believe big things. But when we do, we must hold them like this because then God can take certain expectations and replace them with his expectations. When we hold them like this, we say, Lord, you're the one, you're the one in control, not me. Uh, my wa- Lindsay, my wife, used this phrase this past week that is maybe my new favorite phrase. Uh, she talked about that she's in expectation recovery that um, she's, she's learning and she's growing and she's in this, on this journey processing what it looks like to not live life by her expectations but surrendering and releasing them to God. She goes, yeah, I'm in expectations recovery. I'm trying to recover from living a life built upon my expectations and instead surrendering to what God might want to do. Also understanding life's not going to go the way you planned. If anybody's life's gone the way they planned, come talk to me. I'd love to get your roadmap on how that worked out. So here's, here's where I want to close our time. Um, I want to challenge you, I want to challenge us in the context of, of all that we've talked about a little bit. And again, this is still something that's been like just working in my spirit. So not all of it's, there's not like a bow on a lot of it. If you're like, that thought felt incomplete. It probably was because I'm still processing a lot of it. But uh, here's what I want to end our time is I want to talk about how to manage our expectations. We've all heard that phrase. Hey, you need to manage your expectations. I think it's an incredibly wise phrase, okay, to manage our expectations. Scripture teaches us how to manage our money, our relationships, our thoughts. So of course, we are taught by God how to manage also steward our expectations. Especially since our expectations, I think, are just so influential throughout our everyday life, not just the five-year plan, not just the 20-year plan. I think every moment of every day, we have expectations, whether we're aware of them or not, and how does God want us to manage them to steward them well? So uh, this is my idea. I didn't get this from anywhere else, so if it's terrible, that's on me. But here's, here's how I think we can manage them. I think there's three steps we need to take. We need to identify them, we need to question them, and we need to surrender them. So with each one of these steps, I wrote out a list of questions. Um, if you'd like to you know, write any of them down, if you feel like they'd be helpful uh, for you, feel free. So uh, step number one, it, here's some questions to ask to help you identify what your expectations might be. Just because a lot of our expectations, I believe, are subconscious, we might not even be aware they're there. First question, am I experiencing frustration or anxiety based on my expectations, whether they're conscious or subconscious? The subconscious ones are harder, but they're there, and sometimes if you dig, you can find them. So identify the areas in your life where you're experiencing maybe an increased level of anxiety, of frustration, of fear, 
and say, is this because of an expectation that's not being met? Dig a little bit deeper. What are the expectations for your life? What are the things that you thought, you know, based on your family history, based on media, based on advertisements, based on culture, just like, not all of them are bad. I'm not saying any of them are bad, maybe, but it can be so, so incredibly helpful just to identify what are you expecting of your life? And is there something in there that because it's not being met the way that you thought is leading to some anxiety? Digging even more, what are some things I'm expecting from God? And again, not all of those will be bad. In fact, I'd argue most of them are probably great. But just identifying them can be very helpful. If you want to go a little bit further, what are you expecting in your relationships from your significant other, from your kids, your parents, your friends, etc.? Number two, question them. Two simple questions, uh, not easy, but simple questions. Are the expectations that I'm having selfish? Are they mostly for my benefit? And number two, am I expecting these things to happen instantly? Or do I understand that anything good takes time? And just like Scripture says, the root word for the word hoped for is the word to wait. And then final one. This is a real, real basic one too. But when it comes to surrendering our expectations, when my expectations are being unmet, do I try to control them? Or do I surrender them? We live in a world that says, control it. Buy this product, take this step, sign up for this, get this subscription, and then your expectations will be met. You'll be happy, and it'll happen instantly. But God says, hey, the more that you surrender your expectations to me, the more freedom, the more joy you'll experience. What would it look like to live our lives not being burdened by our expectations? To live a life every day not trying to control the things that are out of our control. To live without fear of the future. To stand still in our faith, in our confidence, our trust in God. Because his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, his plans are higher. That's the kind of life I believe God wants us to live. And the reality for those of us who follow Jesus is the irony that the more we surrender, the freer we are. The less we try to control the outcome, the more the outcome brings us peace and brings us joy. The more we give our burdens to God, the closer we draw to Him. Instead of trying to get and control and manage thinking, well, I'll just make it happen the way I want to. God says the more that you release, the more that you surrender, the more that you trust, the more that you choose to trust, actually you'll start then living the life that I've created for you, which is going to bring the most joy, the most peace, the most confidence. And suddenly what starts to happen is our expectations reflect his expectations. And when we expect what God is already doing in his kingdom, that's when the miraculous happens. That's when God's presence and power becomes our norm for every moment of every day, and we live in total freedom. I'd like to close uh, with one passage, uh, something that Jesus said. I'm going to invite you all to stand, uh, if you would, as we close with this passage. It's going to come up on the side screens. I'm just going to read it, and then I'll close this uh, in, a, in a prayer. But I want to read these words of Jesus, and again, just keep in mind, what are your expectations? What are your 
thoughts, uh, your expectations for now, for God, for your future, and then just open your heart, open your spirit to these words of Jesus as he talks about the way that God, I believe, wants us to live. Jesus says, I tell you, this is why I tell you, not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today and the choice that we make is to trust and to surrender. Let me pray. <clears throat> God, I'm so um, aware in this moment that you are a God who a God who does not demand in order to make happy. Um, you're not a God who wants us to feel like, hey, it's not enough. It wasn't sacrificial enough. It didn't hurt enough. I need to do more, give more, sacrifice more, and then maybe I'll make God happy. Lord, you already have washed us clean. You knit us together in the womb, you've known us since before you laid the foundation of the earth. You love us more than anything, more than we can even comprehend. And instead of demanding, what you teach us to do is surrender. As you say, I'll carry every single burden you've got. You live your life light and free, unburdened by expectations, unburdened by anxiety or worry or fear. I'll carry that. You just live free. You stand still in confidence. You let me carry that. Because just as you do for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, God, you'll take care of us. You'll provide for us. So God, I just pray in this moment, in this room, those listening, watching online, Father, I pray this moment right now maybe would be a first, a first moment in maybe decades, Father, where we choose to surrender some expectations to you. Even expectations of you, Lord. Ways that we expected you to be, things we expected you to do, things we didn't expect to happen because of you. Lord, as difficult as it would be because we don't understand and maybe it's caused pain and difficulty, God, that we would surrender. And we would choose to trust in your ways, in your thoughts, in your plans because there is a God and it is not us. And in doing so, Lord, we wouldn't experience increased anxiety and increased desire to grasp and control, but Lord, we would take a deep breath, we would stand still, unburdened and free.
God, I thank you for the freedom that I sense in this room, the lightness in this room. And Lord, every day we'd wake up, every night we'd go to bed and surrender our expectations to you. And in doing so, experience a new level of peace and confidence and joy. Maybe for the first time, maybe in a way we never thought possible. So God, we surrender and we worship you by surrendering. Thank you for being our heavenly father who loves us more than we can comprehend. God, we lift this up to you. We pray this all in your name. Amen.